The following transmission is an utterly nonsense podcast exclusive presentation. Oh, excuse me. We've been gone a while. Not specifically because of anything in particular, just because uh, we kept trying to come up with topics and we're like, can we talk about this? Well, I don't really know too much about that. Can we talk about this? Well, I don't really know too much. Ah, it's just, let's just go to sleep and, uh, well, anyway, we're back. Okay, so it is Wednesday, the first Wednesday of September. We are the Utterly Nonsense Podcast. Uh, Where we sometimes know what we're talking about. But usually don't. <laughs> so, before we start, uh, wherever you're watching this or listening to this, uh, whether it be YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, etc., etc., uh, we do have a number of social media platforms and uh, platforms where we release this podcast. So, if you're listening to us on any of those platforms, please check us out. Uh, elsewhere really any view helps <laughs> so um without further ado this is utterly nonsense cue that yeah. intro The uh, main focus we have tonight, um, and you would know a lot more about this than I would, is the whole black label for DC Comics. Right. So we know with the new 52, which was the reboot that started in 2011, DC was trying to maintain this very strict continuity among all of its titles. So they were trying to keep every single issue of each thing they were printing kind of in the same time frame. And then with Rebirth, they said, the hell with that. Let's just tell some good stories. But since they still have a canon universe, they still have these stipulations they have to write within. So Black Label is for stories for any writer to just go outside the canon and tell whatever story they want. So it's just, you know, standalone Batman stories or Superman, whatever. And I think that's a very good idea to kind of give non-canon things their own label. Yeah, I mean, I... Fully have to agree. I think uh, that probably will help to clear up some aspects of the DC storyline. Um, it would have helped back in the 90s when uh, Alan Moore was writing Killing Joke or stuff like that. But uh, yeah, you know, um, I, I mean, I can't really see much of a flaw with that. Like, um, you know, I, I think it does give uh, artists, authors, uh, whoever's working on these comics, uh, the freedom to sort of break away from Rebirth. Um, I, I, I mean... Like, you know, the one DC storyline I've been following right now is Doomsday Clock, which is so heavily intertwined with Rebirth, which is a great thing. You know, it, it makes for an interesting wider universe that uh, this story applies to. But um, at the same time, I'd be screwed if I missed any one of these issues. Right. So, you know, just the fact that there are more standalone stories, the fact that uh, standalone stories exist um, outside of this continuity is... Uh, I, I I think great for the casual comics reader. It's definitely going to help to keep the medium alive. Oh yeah, definitely. And so far they have a few things. Uh, I don't know if you heard of, um, I think it was called Batman White Knight, where it's about the Joker somehow cures himself and becomes a good guy, and Batman gets thrown in Arkham. Did you hear about that? I I have not. That sounds actually pretty cool, though. <laughs> yeah, I I think I looked at a summary of it and it was eh, semi interesting, but. 
that will be the first thing to be printed in a collected edition in the black label. And then they have Batman Damned, which is, uh, I think, it, it says that the premise of the story is the Joker's dead. And you're to assume that Batman did it. And he's damned to hell for some reason. So who shows up but the Hellblazer himself? Good old Johnny Constantine. So that sounds interesting. And then it says Superman Year One out in November and something else called History of the DC Universe in December of this year. And the biggest thing, I think, and this will lead into something you wanted to talk about, was the Three Jokers storyline is also going to be under the Black Label. Now, here, I think you you know about it, so describe what is this Three Jokers idea. Uh, okay, so I mean, you probably followed the actual storyline closer than I would have, but um, essentially, uh, I think it's... Was that still in the New 52? No, that had to have been in Rebirth, right? Um, Probably. Essentially, Batman gains access to a source of unlimited information. Um, And again, I didn't read the actual storyline. I've really just seen this described in YouTube videos and thought the concept was cool. But um, the general idea is he sits in this Mobius chair, which gives him the ability to sort of ask any question and get an entirely accurate response. And, you know, the chair somehow provides some visions or whatever. But um, so, you know, he asks and tries to debunk what's considered to be the biggest mystery in the Batman mythos. Who is the Joker? Hmm. And uh, so the answer the Mobius chair gives is incredibly interesting. There's three Jokers. Oh, yeah. Existing all simultaneously. And um, so... A lot of fans have been speculating about this because there wasn't much detail released after this. And uh, for the most part, Rebirth has sort of avoided this. And uh, again, I have not been following the Batman story arc all too closely. Um, I I did just pick up Batman number 50 just because it was supposed to be a landmark issue. Uh, Short answer is it's not. So Uh, was that the wedding one where they don't have a wedding? it, It was the wedding one where they both end up stepping out of the wedding for some reason, which would probably be a lot clearer if I'd uh, read the first 49 issues, but, um, you know. The reason why it's called off is because Joker says to Catwoman, don't you understand? If Batman is happy, then he won't be Batman, so you can't marry him and nothing can ever change. Yeah, so, uh, I I mean, you know, again, uh, not a terrible issue, but so it begs the question for someone who hasn't been following the story. um, What came of the three Jokers? And, uh, like, is that our place to question or will it come back at some point or is I, I, I don't know. There's a million questions you could be asking, you know, yeah. the one thing that fans have been saying is it kind of helps to bridge the gap between like the golden age, the silver age and, you know, the modern age of comics, because um, it, it kind of implies that uh, the Joker went through three phases as he did, like in the history of his uh, comic book appearances you know, with the Golden Age being the more Cesar Romero-esque, uh, like, sort of goofy, over-the-top Joker who uses prop guns and shit like that. You know, the second Joker being more Jack Nicholson-like, um, more <laughs> clown-like. Um, the third Joker being more the full-blown anarchist, the Heath Ledger. And uh, Jared Leto apparently doesn't exist in this. Uh, well, I think comics-wise, the third Joker would be landmarked in the whole death of the family yeah, that, story. Well, that's what I figured. He has his own face cut off and it's just kind of yes. a shock horror. So that's when it based. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Like, um, 
apparently that version of the Joker is like his main antagonist in uh, Rebirth or New 52. Or again, I get the universe is confused. But um, it, like, yeah, I mean, that's probably the creepiest version of the Joker to date. Um, yeah, definitely. So it, it begs a couple questions, namely uh, what happened to the other two Jokers while this was going on? Because um, it was heavily implied like in Death of the Family. Uh, that, you know, Joker, like, he had not been seen in the years since he had lost his face. So, you know, like, you couldn't easily be like one of the other Jokers running around doing the whole Joker thing and not getting caught. And it just kind of implies that Batman hasn't been fighting them all simultaneously. You know, like, one Joker isn't off uh, committing crimes while the other Joker's fighting Batman. So, Mm -hmm. I, it's it makes for a few interesting theories just from a comic perspective, but um, it, at least what I was thinking and at least what I was getting at in regards to the DC extended universe is that they might be trying to bring in this whole theory. Yeah, because they have so many different. Well, how, how many movies do they have planned for Joker to be in? Let's start there. So, I mean, that's sort of hard to get at. Um, there's the origin film, which is directed by Todd Phillips, produced by Martin Scorsese, starting starring uh, Joaquin Phoenix as uh, the Joker in the 1980s. And, you know, that's intended to be a sort of killing joke-esque origin film, um, which, you know, I, I have mixed feelings on. I think we covered that months ago, like when they first announced it. Yeah. I think that was like or the very first episode like not counting number zero of utterly nonsense. We actually talked about how Martin Scorsese was producing a Joker film. And uh, I I think we originally like jokingly speculated that Leo DiCaprio was going to be the Joker, which uh, (laughs) would have been fun. But uh, you know, I like Joaquin Phoenix, I think is legitimately one of the best actors of his generation. So, you know, how could you possibly be uh, pissed off about that? So that's one of them. And that's going to be interesting to see. I know like, it was just a couple weeks ago that Alec Baldwin was cast in the role of Thomas Wayne only to turn it down like less than two days later. Oh, thank God. I would have done Alec well, Baldwin is Thomas Wayne. So I like Tom- I do like Alec Baldwin, but uh, apparently they're trying to go for him being more like a Donald Trump esque billionaire, which is why they cast Alec Baldwin. <laughs> um, so uh, I see what they did you know, there. Not just Donald Trump, but uh, like a Biff Tannen ask billionaire where he's just insanely wealthy guy and he's just sort of an ass to everyone. Hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I guess I cannot see him as a Thomas Swain, though. I thought I thought uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan was fine. But this is for the other. Well, movie. Uh, so, uh, again, the official canon is saying this really doesn't take place in the main DC continuity. And um, right. it, at least that's what we're rolling with for now. Um, and we'll get into this in a second, why this is important. But um, so, again, there's also a number of films playing with the Jared Leto Joker, who is, you know, the main Joker we've seen tied to the DCEU. Um, he's the Joker from Suicide Squad. Unfortunately. Uh, well, you could have mixed feelings about that. Uh, again, uh, we've talked about the problems with Suicide Squad in the past. Um, I, I, I really think he gave a fine performance. It's just, first of all, you can't compare him to Heath Ledger or else, of course, he'll fail. Um, and it was just edited to hell, I, which is a major problem. Like his performance was decent, but the way it was put on screen was the problem. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, personally, I always compare all the Joker performances to good old Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Well, as far as I'm concerned, uh, Nicholson was a distant second behind Heath Ledger. 
Um, not to say he gave a particularly bad performance. Um, I, I will say, you know, I was never a huge fan of the Tim Burton films. They're great movies. It's just I don't have the same emotional connection I had to that uh, I had to the Nolan films. And uh, hmm. you, you know why I do? Because I used to watch Batman the Animated Series, which largely was influenced stylistically by the Tim Burton movies. Yeah, I mean, they even got Danny Elfman to do the theme. Well, I mean, that's as good of a reason as any. Um, again, animated series I didn't watch until, like, high school, which admittedly was late for that. I probably should have watched a lot sooner. But, uh, hmm. you know, again, I just never had that sort of emotional connection, so I can't really uh, compare it. And, you know, I, I've had a couple additional theories about the whole Jared Leto Joker um, based on what we've seen in BBS and Suicide Squad, which, again, I'll get into in a second. Actually, now is a pretty good time to get into my whole theory. Um, so, you know, what I'm thinking, and I haven't heard anyone sort of say this, but it seems pretty obvious to me. And uh, again, there's a few more Joker films, but uh, it, they all sort of involve the same Jared Leto Joker. So it seems unimportant to cover it. Um, you know, some of those include a Suicide Squad sequel. Some of those include uh, a Harley Quinn spinoff, a Birds Prey film, which is supposed to center on him. Oh my goodness. So there's a lot there. They apparently don't want Jared Leto's Joker to go anywhere, which leads me to my theory. Well, first of all, you know, we've thrown out the idea, and uh, I think David Ayer sort of denies this, but here's what I'm thinking, and I'd love to see them flesh this out. I think this is the direction they were originally going in. Jason Todd, we know, is already dead in the Batman universe, or in Batman v Superman, we see his suit. It says, you know, jokes on you. It's heavily implied that the Joker and Harley Quinn killed him. Yeah. And uh, it, it, it comes down to, uh, you know, like there's a file in Suicide Squad where uh, Harley Quinn was wanted for the murder of Robin. Oh, really? I did not catch that. Yeah, it's a minor detail. And unless you've like seen it multiple times or know what to look for, you're not going to see it. But uh, yeah, like when they're introducing the character, it's on her personnel file. So here could also be Tim Drake. Yeah, well, like in again, Return of the Joker, that whole storyline. Yeah, I know, but I think we're a lot of people sort of connected it to the whole uh, Red Hood storyline with Jason Todd. You know, he's the most famously dead Robin. So, um, <laughs> so what I'm thinking is like the Joker we're seeing, the Jared Leto Joker, isn't the real original Joker. He's one of the three Jokers, and this is how they're bringing the three Jokers in the in the DC extended universe. I'm thinking he might be Jason Todd, that he was so psychologically damaged, so tortured to the point that he sort of emulated his captor. It's like the ultimate form of Stockholm Syndrome. Actually, you know what? That's almost really like the storyline in Batman Beyond Return yeah, of the Return Joker. Return of the Joker. That's exactly what it is. And Yeah. yeah. So, so it, huh. it makes sense. Like, DC's done it before. They could do it again. They know it's a compelling story. There's a lot that could be drawn onto that. There's and the Batman solo film, like the Matt Reeves, or if he's still behind it, solo film could focus on that whole relationship. It would explain why there's also currently no Robin in the DCU. Like Batman was so like that. that could you imagine if he knew that uh, the Joker was Jason Todd? Like how traumatic that would be. That he would never want to train another Robin just because hmm. that that's so much worse than him just dying. You know. And again, like the general public might not know the difference. The, the reason that they might be charged with the death of uh, Robin is because he ceased to exist when he became the Joker and the public just assumed that he died, that there was no body. So he must be gone. 
So, you know, that also implies that there was a Joker originally who caused Jason Todd to become that character. And whether that's a retired version, a.k.a. the Joaquin Phoenix version, or what is up to the user or up to the individual i would definitely accept something like that where if they had some kind of scene in a future movie where you see you know jared leto's damaged tattooed joker he kind of comes into some shady area or or he just gets off doing some kind of heist or something or killing someone and harley is there and then you just start hearing a slow clap and out of the shadows you see a familiar almost familiar figure walking and it has the long trench coat and the fedora and it has the long pointy nose and it's the classic joker we all were missing well so hello gotham at least what i'm thinking is um i so i shouldn't i sort of implied that uh joaquin phoenix is just like the past joker that caused that to happen i i don't think that um, I, I think that it's an entirely different Joker that we have not seen on screen that has not been rumored at, and that Joaquin Phoenix might take place in a like entirely separate universe from the DCU, but through you know the magic of comic book logic, he's just going to be brought in somehow, causing that whole third <laughs> Joker conundrum. <laughs> at, at least that's what I'm speculating right now, and that's maybe he'll be brought in by Doctor Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, well, you never know. I mean. You know, Watchmen was sort of under that whole Zack Snyder umbrella. Um, Doomsday Clock sort of makes the whole possibility of Watchmen existing in the main DC continuity. So, um, you know, I'd actually love to see Watchmen in uh, the DCU. Um, Maybe not like get a whole full blown movie since the last one was pretty recent. But, uh, you know, I'd be interested to see like Dr. Manhattan as the god of uh, DC. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's really all I have to say about the whole Three Jokers conundrum. It's, again, pretty early on in the whole speculation for the whole thing. I think um, that the whole theory will become a little more fleshed out once we see Joaquin Phoenix's performance. Uh, and once, yeah. you know, we see more of uh, Jason T- or, you know, Jared Leto's uh, Joker. You know, I almost said Jason Todd there. So, I mean, that's all I really have to say about the DC Extended Universe at this point. Like, you know, I'm thrilled for what we've seen of the future. I I just really hope they flesh out like that whole storyline, you know? Yeah, if they get that far. I think it's all going to hinge on the next batch of movies coming out next year. Yeah, well, at least from what I can tell, and, you know, this is a little off topic, but I, I feel like it needs to be said. Um, Aquaman and Shazam both look fantastic. Um, just based off of what we've seen from the initial trailers... It, like I, I don't, I really don't think they'll disappoint anyone, you know. Um, yeah. Well, I, I watched the trailers and they didn't make me immediately want to just go to sleep or hit myself with a frying pan. So that's a good sign. Yeah. Well, Aquaman took me a couple watchings to really get behind, but um, Shazam just sort of caught me right away. It just seemed like a different kind of superhero movie. Which, when it comes down to it, that's what attracts viewers, you know. You want something unique. You don't want to do the same thing that everyone else is doing. Exactly. So that's all I really have to say about the DC Extended Universe. Uh, that's all I really have to say about the Three Jokers. I, again, I just think that it'd be a nice way to bring that whole theory into the DC Extended Universe. It'd be really good fan service. We know how big the DCU is on fan service. So. I'll tell you what. Call up Warner Brothers and uh, give them a clue. Tell them, look, you don't know what you're doing. I got to tell you what you do. Otherwise, you're going to screw it up again. And we don't want that, do you? (laughs) Uh, Other than Black Label, there's also another older label that most people probably don't know about because they're not as uh, 
big as experts as we are, of course, is DC's Milestone label. Now, Milestone, for those who don't know, uh, I'm not going to even say when it started because I'll just get the date wrong, but I knew it was a thing in the 90s at some point where it was mainly a venue for writers to create all of these different kind of minority characters. So, you know, you had black ones, you had Hispanic characters, kind of like what Marvel was trying to do now, except instead of forcing it on the main continuities, they had their own entire label for it where the characters can stand on their own and take the test and see if they would catch on. It seems like sort of a gray area, like... I just, you know, based on what you're describing, it sort of sounds like a separate but equal ideology. Well, the thing is, is that they're allowed to, you know, be written into their entirely own continuity and not have to follow all the rules of this other established brand and or not have to take on the name of another character. I don't so, know. It seems morally like sort of or morally is not the right word. It seems sort of like a gray area from like. A modern standpoint you know it, it seems like it could piss off people if they did it wrong it, like it, it's one thing for it to be a testing ground but uh you know for it to be a testing ground specifically well, based on the race of the characters just seems like kind of racist you know well here's why i bring it up because some good can come of it and some good did come of it because milestone was home to a fan what became a fan favorite character static from static shock okay which as some people might know was a popular cartoon on kids WWWB back in the early 2000s. And the creator of Static and Milestone, Dwayne McDuffie, also went on to become one of the main writers and producers for the cartoon and then Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. Right. So. Okay, yeah. So some good did come out of it. Um, yeah. So Static, of course, was brought over into not only the uh, DC animated universe, but the main DC universe because he had his own title for the new 52, which didn't last, but that was like a, a discrepancy with the the writers. There was all these creative differences. So well, the point I'm getting to is that Static Shock, along with the Milestone brand, are coming back later this year, okay. along with, uh, you know, DC Black Label. So they got two new things coming at you with different stories. And hopefully they'll get a longer-running static series, which yeah. I might just buy. Because I, I, love, I love the character. I've, I've actually been re-watching the cartoon. Right. And uh, I read on, it says, like, Wikipedia or whatever, that he was intended to be, like, DC's Spider-Man, and he really is. He's always making wisecracks, and he's, like, the uh, the guy in high school. And I don't know. I, I just think he's, he's great, because if you watch all the shows closely, he jobs the least amount of all of them, and it's really weird. Because especially Superman, they tend to just take hits from something that it's like, he could just run around that, or he could just use his brain for half a second. Static, he uses his brain most of the time. Okay. So I commend him for that. Yeah, so. I, yeah it's a nice touch. Um, the thing I will say, um, first of all, like as soon as DC Universe comes out, which I think from the time we're recording this is only like a week and a half away, so that's something to look forward to. See uh, Young Justice. I, like, I don't know if the new season's coming right away or if uh, we're going to have to wait a few months, but um, so Static does actually make an appearance in the second season, and it's sort of implied that he's going to have a more major role in the third season, which, mm-hmm. um, you know, of course, I was a Static Shock fan growing up. Um, it, oh, it, you know what? That yeah. kind of fulfills this prophecy. I just because I just saw this episode where uh, he's on a case with Batman. Uh, Static, Static asks him, so where's Robin? He's with <laughs> the Titans. The who? You'll meet them someday. The day has come. 
Uh, well, we'll see if uh, when they eventually reboot Teen Titans that, you know, they actually bring him into it. Um, that's another actually interesting thing that uh, if people are into it, I think that'd be a great topic of discussion in a couple weeks. Like um, once uh, Titans comes out, how it compares to the other two Teen Titans series, which I, I, I think we already have a pretty a good idea of where it would uh, rank. But um, I, I, I do want to see it more out of sheer curiosity than anything else. Yeah. But you see, you're saying it's kind of a, or we're saying that it's kind of a gray area to start a character oh. off in something else. But see, if you have one thing that stands on its own and it's good, it can take off. And now I think most likely more people will know who Static Shock is than Black Lightning, who was yeah. your actual resident lightning black guy in DC. Right. And who knows, more people might know him eventually because he has his own live action TV show now. Yeah, no, I think he's definitely developed more name recognition over the years even if his name is sort of uh it's sort of reminiscent of like black exploitation he's like the black exploitation superhero but um well like the uh like luke cage is to marvel yeah basically it's like uh that that era of 1970s cinema that sort of focused on like just making black people their own sort of stars while also just being incredibly racist in the process and for whatever (laughs) reason no one seems to call like that era of cinema out um but uh yeah so uh, again another thing in young justice like black lightning has a small role in it like smaller than a static but at like the end of the second season he like meets up with static and he's like hey if you never if you ever need a mentor you know hit me up that's cool yeah no it's it's like a really nice touch and i think people were sort of making that connection so um Again, I, I really hope they play off this because there's going to be apparently another pretty massive time jump. Um, but, you know, in other words, just uh, watch Young Justice because it's legitimately one of the best DC cartoons really ever. But um, uh, produced at least within the last decade. So, yeah, check it out. And they're putting all the seasons on their uh, own uh, their own Netflix now, mm-hmm. right? Which, Is that uh, open yet? Uh, again, week and a half something like that dc universe yeah so uh again as that approaches i think we'll talk a little more about that um without further ado uh, fuck batman oh wait no we did that already (laughs) this has been the utterly nonsense podcast uh as i said in the beginning of this episode uh you can check us out on youtube soundcloud itunes a number of other podcasting platforms chances are if you're on one of those other platforms aside from spotify uh, you can find us yeah spotify what the heck yeah, like we've on, right. seriously we been waiting. Like our, our things. It was. I don't know how it's been ago. a few months. Like it's been at least a couple months since we submitted the podcast to Spotify, and they still have not gotten back to us. But uh, I, God, they're working on it. Yeah, patience. It's almost like they don't want a free podcast on their platform. I know, right? Yeah. We have so many viewers to bring to them. Yeah, so many dedicated, loyal, yeah. great viewers. No, great. instead they just went with Amy Schumer. <laughs> Okay, so without further ado, I'm CJ DeLeo, joined as always alongside John Kags. Of course. This has been the Utterly Nonsense Podcast, where it's not news, it's, it's nonsense. nonsense. I put a shock to your system.